What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. We have a uh, pretty packed show this week because we, we went to Unpub a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we're going to share experiences of that. And we have a whole bunch of new games uh, that we've been playing. A ton. Yeah, that we're going to talk about this week. This one even told me, hey, we got to stop playing new games uh, because we have too many to talk about. <laughs> oh, but, well, like our queue's full. And a, lot, and a lot of big ones, too. Um, before we get to that, though, uh, just some housekeeping notes, a reminder where you can find us. Um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you look for at Tabletop for Two, uh, you can find us at all those. And you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now uh, Google Play Music. Uh, they just added podcasts, and we are on there, too. So all sorts of options for you to get to the show. So a um, couple weeks ago, uh, in the mail from Kickstarter, uh, from Level 99 Games, we got Millennium Blades. Uh, this is one I, I was, was looking forward to. I was not very keen on this, but he went ahead and backed it anyway. Yes, and this and this was on this is one of my most anticipated games when we did our list um, earlier this year. I, I like remember. I said, everything you showed me, I was just like, whatever. Right. So, Millennium Blades, for those that don't know, is a it's a card game that sort of simulates the entire CCG experience because you spend half the half the game purchasing cards, selling cards, buying booster packs, you know, building your deck, building collections. You have wads of money. It is literally a wad of money, but it only counts as like $1, but right. there's like 10 or 15 of them wadded together. It's ridiculous. It's very cool. And uh <laughs> and and the deck building phase is time, so it takes place in real time over 20 minutes. Um, and like I said, you're, you know, buying boosters and it's cool because the card backs actually look like booster packs. You can actually see like what set they're from. And he was laughing at me because I bought a card and I said, damn it. I already have this one. He's like, Oh, it's like a real, it's like yeah, real life. You get, you get like, duplicates all the time. <sighs> you got to sell it or trade it. Um, so, and then once that's over, you take the deck that you built and do it in, and bring it to a tournament with you. And the tournament, it plays, it's, it kind of simulates a CCG tournament. Um, you have singles that are your rare cards that are the things that power your deck. Um, you can also have a deck box, and the deck box are sort of abstracted to represent your deck's engine. Um, and then you can also have some accessories that give you some bonus abilities as well. But you're, you're going through playing cards, um, trying to get rank points because whoever has the most rank points when the tournament is, ends wins that tournament. Um, and you're trying each tournament that you win is worth a certain number of victory points. Um, after you played three tournaments, uh, whoever has the most victory points wins. There's some mo- bonuses that come along with that um, as well. So since since Emily said she was not keen going in, she didn't really know what to expect. Um, what did you think about the game? It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I did. I had a lot of fun. Like I liked all the craziness when I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like oh I want to buy this and then you snatched one away from me that I wanted and I got really angry (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I really enjoyed it and like the card play trying to find the right I mean I'm not big you always did if we uh, played Netrunner or something Mm -hmm. like that you always had all your decks built and I just used those I've never been big into like actually like real deck building I guess because like I can do ascension type stuff stuff Mm -hmm. like that but like this, I was really having fun trying to see which cards synergize together and, mm-hmm. you know, would make it work and get me the most points. Well, it's great because it kind of straddles the line because it, with with a regular CCG, like when you're building a deck, it's usually, you know, 40 to 50 cards. But in this one, your deck consists of eight singles, 
a deck box and two accessories maximum. So you don't have to build these really, you know, you know, complex decks. So while it's still great for CCG players, it's still accessible for people that don't really have a history. And also, I like that we could uh, get points ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with the collections. Because with the collections and sets and whatnot, you can do the same type of card or Mm -hmm. the same element. Right. And yeah, you get 10 points per card. Isn't it? Well, in the two-player game, so so we'll, well, let's talk about us. that a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about the the differences a little bit. So I wasn't sure um, what to expect with two players because this is a game that is built for three to five, and and really it's probably at its best. I'd have to, I would think, um, at four players, but they did a really nice job of of changing some of the rules to ma- to match for two-player play. The two-player play is pretty much the same. Um, things are just done a little bit differently in terms of scoring. So with the three-player game, like I said, when you win a tournament, when you turn in a collection, um, stuff like that, you gain victory points. In the two-player game, it's actually a best-of-three tournaments one. So you're just trying to to build the best tournament deck that you can, and the victory points don't carry over from tournament to tournament, which is a much better way to do it. And then, like Emily said, in the game, um, during the deck-building phase, you can also create a collection of cards um, that you turn in at the end of the round. And in the normal game, you'd get victory points based on how large the collection is. But in the two-player game, each card in that collection gives you a basically like a bonus number of rank points to start with in the tournament, which makes sense because it kind of forces you to not ignore that aspect of the game. Because mm-hmm. if you give your, your opponent a big advantage going into the tournament, then you're going to probably get Plus, waxed. if you have a lot of the same damn card, it right. helps it's to get rid of Right, it's easy to get rid of them. And w- the other cool thing with that, too, is the two-player game, um, you can actually work on two collections, whereas the regular game, you can only do one at a time. So And they all have to be different numbers. Yeah, there's a there's a star value for each card in the top corner. When you put it in the collection, they all have to be different star values, basically. Which th- that's the tricky part is trying to find mm-hmm. cards that match up that uh that don't do that. Yeah, I I really I knew I would enjoy this game. Um, it was you can pleasing. also make trades with one another, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And and we did that too. Like you would think with a two player game, um, it's sort of zero sum, but I. In, in my there experience, was something I really needed, and he had it, so I traded yeah. him. Yeah, in my experience with card games like that, like the community is—it's not cutthroat. Like it's a friendly community. Like you want to help your, you know, your friends, and you want to do, you know, you both want to win. We are not friends when we play games. But in this one, it's 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 like we a friendly are not friends rivalry. when we play games. Yeah, but we're I not love trying you, to screw but each I don't other. like you when we play games. So, but uh, but I really enjoyed the game. I I was pleasantly surprised to see how much that experience could be simulated in 90 minutes and kind of fills a bit of a void for me because obviously, you know, I don't really do CCGs anymore. I We barely don't even do LCGs anymore. Um, so this was a really Again, cool game. people said, friends on Twitter have said, hey, you can come play with us. I know. Honey, if you want to go, go. Uh, but there's no time ever to do this stuff. So it's, so it's kind of cool to get something that kind of fills that niche. Um, you know, not exactly, of course, but also, you know, I could fit this in a lot less time. And this one really has its its claws into me. I've been thinking about it since we played. Um, definitely want to get it to the table. Maybe this weekend. Very quickly, okay. yeah. So it's maybe this weekend. It was a good time. Um, so yeah, it's Millennium Blades. If you can hunt down a copy, and if you are a fan of CCGs, especially, oh my I recommend god, it. and the names and the the card art is hilarious. Oh yeah, well everything's hilarious. a reference to something else usually. So what was it? Was it Plumber Super Plumber Su- Super Plumber Brothers? Yeah, <laughs> was one of the expansion sets. They also yeah. have uh, 
There's there, there's a whole bunch of them. There's, there's one that's like it's it's a Zelda one, but it combined like four or five different Zelda titles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And there's also like a Final Fantasy one, and then uh-huh. there's a James Bond one. 006 plus one. Yeah, there's one there's one that we didn't <laughs> use in the first game called Lightning Bug, which is supposed to be like a Firefly. Nice. Out, you know, so there's all sorts of like those geek references and stuff as well. So there lots of lots they're, of eye candy. Funny for really, the game. Really Very funny. cool. But yeah, it's 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 definitely <laughs> worth checking out for sure. Uh, next on the list, uh, another big one. Yeah, another big game. Of course, we didn't have a great first play with this one because our son decided to not take a nap as we were trying to play this. So I got real frustrated real quick because he was into everything. But uh, that was Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, we I've been looking forward to this one since they announced it. Um, sort of a two play uh, two player asymmetrical. Big, you know, vast Star Wars game where one player is the Empire trying to find the hidden rebel base. Uh, one player is the Rebel Alliance that's trying to garner sympathy and just hold out until they can build the resources to take on the Empire. This SOB over here wouldn't let me get any sympathy. Well, it's tough. It's it's a tough. I, like I remember you were complaining at the beginning of the game that the like at, especially at the beginning the Empire is way, way stronger. And she's like, why do you have all these ships and I only have these few things? I'm like, well, the, the Rebels are, you know, underfunded and, and and scrappy. Like, And that's why they have to survive. It's not like they have to annihilate the Empire in any way. It's really... I did knock a bunch of your dudes out, though. You did. Like I said, it took, it took quite a few turns in to find you. Yeah, it took a while for me to get it going, but once I got it going, yeah. it was pretty good. And and this I is still a, lost, but that's okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat game where I you gotta have let him win one once in a while, right? Where you have uh, different leaders um, that represent key characters from the series. Um, and this then this focuses on the original I got to trilogy have of my films. Boyfriend, I was so excited. I got to have my boyfriend. Oh, Admiral Akbar, Ak- they got the draft. Admiral Akbar is my boyfriend. I've loved this guy since I was like five years old. I thought he was like the coolest. And the leaders are essentially how the gameplay moves forward because you have to balance sending them on missions. Um, or using them to kind of move your troops around the galaxy. And as I said, the Empire, uh, the Rebels uh, pick a planet that their base is located on secretly at the beginning of the game. Um, and the Empire spending the game trying to find that planet and, he found and annihilate me them. Twice. I did, because you can relocate it if you need to um, during you the game. Jerk. Uh, and then the, re- the, uh, the Rebels are just trying to, you know, are trying to fulfill these objectives that cards that they'll draw. Um, and each time they move an objective, I was doing pretty good with that too. Yeah, they have a uh, they have like a points marker that moves towards the turn marker, and the rebels win if those two markers meet up with each other. Essentially, so the more objectives they can do, the faster they can they and can if build you hadn't support. Flip two of my planets in the last you know turn that you did. I would have had another. I would have been one yeah, step closer. Quite possibly, and it's and it's cool because like I said a lot of those. A lot of famous events happen from the from the original movies, but they could happen in different ways. Like you might have someone get frozen in carbonite, but it might be Obi Wan Kenobi might might get captured and frozen. I killed Obi Wan. <laughs> you sacrificed him to get an objective point. So I did. But it's I I enjoy the um the 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 asymmetry to the two sides. Like the Empire is is really about building this huge force and just covering as much of the galaxy as they can um, whereas the rebels are just trying to operate in these isolated pockets and do these hit and run missions as they go um, It's I've, we never played War of the Ring um, but I've heard it has a very similar vibe to that game but we're it, Star Wars nerds, so right. It's, oh, well, it's definitely. I was gonna say I'm more of more into Lord of the Rings than he is. So yeah, and like and like Emily said, uh, it's it was a tough uh, tough game to play because it did take 
close to three hours. Um, and and when, you have a son, yeah. when you have a two-year-old running around and you're trying to do this, it makes it really difficult to try and make the, some of these decisions because, yeah, he was just crazy and into everything. Yeah, so th- we'll have to try this one again probably after bedtime one night. I suggested after bedtime. You're like, no, no, I didn't no. want to keep you up late that night. It was a Sunday you had to work the next day. I appreciate that, yep. but next time, listen to me. But we enjoyed it, and, and we're getting rid of Forbidden Stars, which was a game that we actually like quite a bit, but I think that this one will get played a bit more frequently and kind of fill that same void for us. Um, so that's Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, looking forward to getting in another play with less uh, less interruptions, and hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to get a, uh, a more concise experience from that. Yeah. Um, Emily suggested that we bring Pax Porfiria- Porfiriana to the table the other day, because we've had it for Ever. months and months and months. Ever. Well, the, pro- the reason I never was ready to play is because the rulebook is very obtuse. But once we started playing, it was, it was super easy. simple. Yeah, it was very simple. I don't know why... Because well, just the the way the rules are written are it's just a lot. Like it's a lot of rules, but that's why you have the internet, honey. I, I mean, it's uh, we we figured it out. We got rolling pretty quickly. This is a game where uh, you play as separate, like I guess, businessmen in in revolutionary era Mexico, uh, where the Pax regime is in the midst right now, and you are attempting to kind of you know build up your businesses, gain money, um, gain loyalty from troops. And trying to overthrow uh, the government regime as best you can. Essentially, it's it's hard to explain. Um, there's lots of different cards, and some of the cards have these different prestiges on them. But there's four different types of prestige um, based on the four different uh, like like states during the game. Like there could be, you know, just a, call them factions. Well, it's not even a faction because it's it, it's more to do with what's going on in Mexico at the time. So when the game starts. It's, you know, the Pax regime is in place, so if you have a lot of cards that have loyalty on them, they're worth victory points, essentially. But over time, martial law might get put into effect. So all of a sudden, those loyalty points are worth nothing, and now cards that have the command victory points on them are the ones you're looking for. And there's a couple other game states as well as time goes along. But you're essentially trying to just build up economy as much as possible. Um, you can also send troops to your opponent's enterprises um, to try and extort money from them. I did that to Brad. You did. Um, and and that kind of puts a crimp in the plans as well. Uh, there's all sorts of action cards and faction cards that you can use to to change the rule state of the game. So it's a lot of, lot of back and forth. This one was a tough starter. I think um, it was tough once to kind of get going. Rolling, though, yeah, was, once we got it going, pretty, it was it was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's about capitalizing at the right time because during the game, there's these uh, topple cards that come out. There's four of them, and they all have different ways to topple the government. And what you're trying to do is have a certain number of the appropriate type of victory points at the right time. In order to win the game, so it's it was every time I would get a good thing going, he would change the regime because right, he is a jerk, right? Because well, that's what you got to do is you got you have to change the regime to your favor as best as you possibly can. Um, there's a lot of variety in this one because you have I, I think the game comes like 220 cards, but in a two player game, you're only using 70 of them at any given time, so you're never going to see the same strategies be able to work or the same game work from, you know, from game to game because you're going to have a completely different set of stuff that you're using. So this is a very interesting game. Uh, Pax Porfiriana. We're going to have to play it some more. Um, cause I'm not exactly sure where I'm at with it. 
Um, because in the game that we played, like everything, there's a ton of enterprises and not a lot of troops and stuff like that. So the strategy of the game that we had was get money, get money and get more money and then play the right cards at the right time to, to make the regime do what you want. So I'll be interested to see how it changes from game to game. But I was, I was thankful to see that it wasn't too daunting. Um, when we, when we were checking it out, what did you think about the gameplay? Cause I didn't really get a good read. I mean, it was fine. I was having trouble, though, because, like, I couldn't... I felt like I couldn't get anything going, because, like, every time I would start to get economy, then you'd put unrest tokens on my thing and shut me down. Mm. And every time I got, you know, some victory points build up, the damn regime Flip the changed. regime changed, like, yeah. son of a... You know. But like, it's, I'll, have to, I'll have to, like, try it again. It's just, like, the first time was really wonky for me. Yeah, and, and this is one of those games where you have a lot of, there's, like, a lot of, like, take that cards, kind of. There's a lot of ways you can mess up what your opponents are doing, which is great if you like that sort of um, confrontational gameplay. But it does take a little getting used to wrapping your head around how it works within the frame rate. And the, and the other thing is the victory condition is a little confusing until you've experienced it. So the first game is going to be a little bit rocky. Um, but Patch Porphyriana is pretty good. Um, like I said, more plays are needed, though, before we can really flesh out a full opinion here. Yeah. Um, next on the list is a newer acquisition. That is Mombasa. Mm-hmm. We actually just played this a couple nights ago. We did. This is a really unique um, Euro game where there's lots of different ways to earn points um, through money, through investing in different companies that are expanding across uh, Africa. Um, and you get money based on how much that company's worth and how many shares you bought. So there's like a stock market aspect. Um, there's also a diamond mine that you can dig down into uh, to get points. There's also bookkeeping that you can do, which is worth points. So lots of different ways to score victory points. But the uniqueness of the game comes from the way that you perform actions because you have this hand of action cards. And at the beginning of the game, um, you're able to pick three of them that you're going to put down in each turn that you put in these different card slots on the bottom of your board and you perform the actions in any order that you want. Uh, there's also bonus markers that you can place on different spots on the board. That'll give you different benefits based on what you're, uh, what you're doing there. But uh, the, what's cool about it is that when your turn is over, when the round's done is the cards then move up to the top of your player board and they'll stack with other cards that have been in the same slots from previous rounds. And you'll actually pick up one of those slots and any cards that are there to add back to your hand. So you, there's some future planning that needs to be done um, as you're going along because you have to kind of figure what actions you're going to have from round to round and base your strategy around that. Um, so very unique game, um, very interesting Euro game. Uh, did you like Mombasa? I know you, were, you were getting into it as we were going along. Yeah, I, I quite enjoy this. I liked that there were so many different things to do. Like you could build up the company's value by, you know, placing the little, I don't know, what are they, factories? Mm-hmm. Um, playing, putting them out and, you know, the different stock market. Like, once you got to a certain place on the stock market, you opened up, like, extra actions that you could do. And mm. the bonus actions were cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed the uniqueness of the game. I think the thing I didn't like, though, is that one of the, one of the actions that you can do during the game is you can actually expand... Um, the different companies. There's four different companies. They all starts. They all start in different parts of the map, and you can expand them outward. And essentially, if you expand into a territory where another company has already placed their house, you'll you'll kind of oust them 
from that area. And the issue is in a two-player game, um, I don't see... There, we didn't really interact a whole lot on the board um, because there's enough. You asked yourself, didn't you? Well, I did to to increase the stock value of one of my particular companies, but it seems like there's not a lot of reason to get in the other player's face because the board is big enough for all four companies to kind of coexist peacefully, mm-hmm. and you really only want to expand in the company where you have the most you know stock invested essentially as you go. Whereas I could see in a game with more players of that you there's a lot more pushing and shoving around the board and you can you know there's a lot more ousting and a lot the the value of the companies is probably going to swing much more wildly where i think with two players it was a little bit more um, predictable as the game went along um so i i liked it we're going to keep it um but it's it wasn't my favorite experience like it was solid it was really good and i appreciated that it was a a game where you know, you, you, you can't do as much. It's one of those, you know, typical Euro games where you want to do so much more than you have time to do because your actions are really limited as the game goes along. Um, but it's just, just, I was expecting the board play to be much more of a factor than it actually was in the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, but whereas, but in two player, um, there's also a lot less competition for you can get, you can buy new action cards as well during the game. Um, so it's pretty easy to get what you want. Obviously, there's um, the cheaper cost spaces. There's a lot of competition for still, but I didn't have too much of a problem getting the cards that I needed to make the strategy happen. So very cutthroat because you can directly affect what the other player is doing. Um, so that was Mombasa. Like I said, it, it was good, but I, I do feel like it's a game that probably would be better with more players. But yeah. it's but it's one that I think that will still that will still give more plays to. As time goes along. Um, one that we played a while back, but we forgot to talk about it in the show, and we played it again recently. This is Vampire Empire from Stronghold Games. Kind of a diamond in the rough. I know I got this as part of a Christmas sale from our friendly games from friendly local game store for really cheap. And I wasn't sure what to expect because this is a two-player specific game where one player is a vampire and the other player is like a vampire hunter. And there's nine citizens in this city. And before the game starts, the vampire draws tiles that you know represent the different citizens and knows that three of them are vampires. So he's trying to either overrun the city with vampires completely or kill all the humans. And the humans, the human players trying to find all the vampires and kill all them. And you do this with these um each faction has their own deck of cards. And on your turn, um, you're gonna play them. Humans have ways to try and sniff out the vampires. Um, vampires have ways to kind of hide, stash the vampires, or they could just straight reveal them to be able to use some of the cards. And then you can initiate a combat on your turn as well, where you're trying to basically attack people, um, to, you know, to oust if, if they're a vampire, you're trying to them. kill them, or if you're human, you're making educated guesses as to who is the vampire. You want to murder them. Right. And when you do this, you play combat cards out of your hands. Uh, the combat cards match the different types of, uh, citizens in the game. Yeah, there's like noble, clergy, uh, servant, and mm. something else. No, those are the three. And then you also have vampire cards that you can that the vampire player can use for revealed vampires. And you have holy water cards that the human player can use against yeah. revealed vampires. I hit you with the big ones. Mm-hmm. And what's neat about this game is that cards that you play 
get removed from the game. So, like, at the beginning of your turn, you can discard cards from your hand into, like, a discard pile that once your deck runs out, you can reshuffle. Um, but the cards that you play are gone forever. They so you go have into to, your moat. Right. So you have to manage your hand really carefully because you can ostensibly get to a state where you have no cards to play and therefore have no way to defend yourself mm-hmm. from attacks. There's also these one-shot cards that can be used that well, are like special last, abilities. This last game came down to I had one dude left, Brad mm-hmm. had a vampire left, and I killed the crap out of him. Yeah, this and and like I said, this I've seen this game before so much. It comes in like this, you know, this small black tin. Yes, that sits and on the ca- shelf. The reason that we played it is because our son likes the tin, so he keeps taking it off the shelf and like banging on it and playing right. with it. This is a really fun little game, though. Like I said, I, I wasn't expecting much from it at all, but this is a great little filler game that you can play in about 20, 25 minutes. And it and it works really well. Um, I also like the fact that the citizen cards, the game comes with these sleeves, these opaque sleeves, because the citizen cards are double-sided. They have a regular side, and then they have a vampire side for well, one Well, and the one, I thought that we had forgot to turn it back from the vampire side from the game before, but no, it was like the butcher or something. Yeah, so he's, he's, got, he's just... got like a pig's heart in his hand or something. <laughs> it's really That's, gross. And, and the art is a very like gothic style mm-hmm. art style, which is, which matches the theme of the game, because it's, it's that style of vampires. Um, you like this one a lot, though. I know we've played it a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I played as the vampires the first time. The second time, I played as the humans. Um, I enjoyed both sides. Mm-hmm. I found the vampires to be a little more challenging. You know, it's it. Well, it is. You know. It's definitely tough because it's you really have to to win as the vampire. You have to kind of trick the human into attacking their own, essentially, and you can mm-hmm. do that through careful manipulation. But when you get found out, it's it, it makes it very difficult because then they well, start see, the throwing problem, the kitchen sink at you. The, the problem with this game was, you know, the the chips that I pulled out that I knew weren't vampires. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that one of them happened to be in that first set of cards. Mm-hmm. And then when it came down to the last thing, uh, when we had the last three out there, I knew which one was because I knew I had this guy over here. Mm. I knew he wasn't. I knew he was human, so that kind of screwed you a little bit. Yep, definitely, definitely <laughs> did. Yeah, the, the human gets to know two people that aren't vampires at the beginning of the game, but they have to figure out the rest as they go along. So, yeah, Vampire Empire. If you see this at your at your local store, definitely pick it up. It's it's a nice little diamond in the rough game that doesn't get talked about, but it is very good and it is. I think it's very replayable as well because of the of you know managing the hand and whatnot as you go along. So very very cool game worth checking out. Uh, next is Odin's Ravens. It is literally a raven race. <laughs> it is a raven race. This this one actually, I, I I was doing some research before the show. I had no idea that it has a bit of a tumultuous history um, as well. So the game originally was part of the Cosmos line. Um, the two-player Back thing? when, yeah, the two-player line. It got kickstarted uh, a couple years ago for a new printing, a new edition, and the guy basically bailed with the money, um, and everyone kind of got left high and dry with it. But the rights reverted back to the designer Mm -hmm. um he sold them to osprey games who just made another game that we like the king is dead um osprey games made the new game um they actually fulfilled the 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 kickstarter orders for all the people that backed it that's really awesome and and the and the game that they put out is really sharp quality like it's got really nice art Um, it's it's, got these awesome little wooden ravens mm -hmm. 
Oh my god! It's got it. it's got you know this this really nice thick cardstock, the same kind of thick cardstock that the King is Dead had. Um, comes in the same like book box sort of the yeah mm-hmm. opening box. Um, so really nice production values here. Uh, the gameplay is pretty darn simple. It's like Emily said, you're, it's a, it's a Ravens race. So you draw a hand of cards. Mm-hmm. They have a picture on it of the type of terrain, and you have to go in order. Yeah, there's to move your Ravens. Yeah, there's 16 cards that have on one end. There's one type of terrain, and one end there's another that are laid out before, and that shows the different types of trains that your Raven has to cross. Basically, if you go down one end of the board and then back around the other end of the board, first and there's to win. also each each player has a stack of Loki cards, the mm-hmm. trickery cards. Yeah, there's eight. It's there's eight of those cards. Um, but they're one shot. They're use. one shot use. Once you've used them, they're gone. And it's cool because you can when you draw up your initial hand of five cards, and actually when you subsequently draw throughout the rest of the game, you get to pick which pile you draw from. So you can have any combination of terrain cards and Loki cards, uh, and you have to best balance them. There's and the Loki cards affect the map in different ways. Um, they have where you know you might be able to s- skip over certain types of terrain. You might be able to add land to the board you might be able to shift the board so that you know one side of the track is a little bit shorter things of that nature um and yeah and you're just trying to play cards out of your hand to match the terrains and as you as you play those cards your raven gets to move forward and whoever reaches the finish line first uh is the winner very simple game but very fun like we had a really good time with this one as well we've had we've had a tremendous amount of success so far with the uh the ones we've been playing yeah i'd say so I said, I just love this. Like the art on it, like the terrain. It's just like it's so pretty. But mm-hmm. the, the pictures on there, I they're just pretty. Even the ugly stuff is pretty. <laughs> yep, and and I, from what I understand, the rules are slightly tweaked from the original version of the game. But I, it's I think they streamlined it, and made it a little bit easier to play because I think the older version has some complications in it that uh that made it a little bit trickier. So I guess your mileage will vary based on if you played that old version, whether you might like this one or not. Um, but yeah, Owens Ravens is very good. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, it's a top quality production um, that will, that is definitely worthy of being on your shelf. Definitely mm-hmm. would recommend it, um, especially for, you know, great two player little filler game. Mm-hmm. Um, next is also a new acquisition. And that is the Rose King. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this is another game in the cosmos line. This is a reprint. Yeah, if you guys haven't noticed, we're kind of going the Cosmos two-player crazy right now. Well, because we, we just really discovered them recently. Well, I, we talked about this on the show before. We've kind of just fell into this, and now we're <laughs> we're really interested to find to find more well, of them. Duh, because we always play with two. Of course. Hello. And and this one's a pretty neat one as well. It's a what would you call it? like an it's area control game or it's like othello and i love it because i love othello because that's what my dad and i used to play growing up all the time Mm -hmm. yeah and the way this works is you have a hand of cards in front of you and there's a there's a crown marker on this on this what is it it's probably like a 20 by 20 grid something like that something something of that nature and uh 20 by 20 is actually probably way too big it's probably a little bit smaller than that whatever it is okay there's a crown you have a hand of cards you play your card and you move the crown in that orientation yeah, well, and that number of spaces if possible yeah the the card the card shows a um like an eight-way a sword yeah but it's compass basically it's a sword and it points one way and, and it has tells a you how many spaces and if you can move that number of spaces you can play that card and you move the crown and you put your rose down whether you be red or white 
Right. Well, the key is you you can only play the card if the crown will end up in an empty space. You right. can't you can't land on another play, on your own or another player's rose because you have to be able to put a rose out. Now there's an exception to that. You start the game with these four hero cards, and the hero cards specifically allow you to basically convert another player's rose to yours. Yeah. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to create um, orthogonally adjacent regions that are all your color. Because when the game ends, um, you're, you're going to take each of these regions and you're going to score them. So you're going to take how many tokens are of yours in that region and square that number. So if you have an eight token region, it's worth 64 points at the end of the game. Let's just say Brad didn't do so well because he got a whooping from me. Well, it's because I let you have an 11, what, an 11 rose region? 13. 13? Well, yeah. that, that did me in right there. Yeah. But you have to watch that. Like You really do have to keep an eye on what your opponent's doing and make sure that you are... You know, putting your rows and to break up these different regions. So very, um, you know, very much catch as catch can with that one. Very, very cool. I, I liked it a lot. I wasn't sure what to expect from it. I'm not a fan of Othello. Um, that is not one of my favorite games because I always found constantly flipping the discs to be incredibly tedious. You're incredibly Shocker. tedious. <sighs> but uh, but given that you like Othello, what did you like about this one? I liked it because. It, it was Othello with more strategy, shall mm-hmm. we say, <laughs> because you have the cards and then you have the, the hero cards and you have to make sure because they're so limited, you have to use mm-hmm. them at the right time. Right. And uh, I kind of waited to use my last one until you had used your last one. I was like, I can get him now. That's how I got that 13. And and you got to be careful because the um on your turn, you only do one action. That action either is either play a card or Grab draw a card. A card. Yeah. yeah. So you have to, you have to, or worst case scenario is you have a card that you legally, like you don't have any cards that you can legally play, which basically just gives your opponent another free turn. So you have to really, you know, plan ahead as best you can and try and anticipate what your opponent's going to do. But yeah, Rose King, very, very cool. Um, I'm glad we decided, glad we stumbled into these. I, I had no idea. Like, I, you know, obviously I'd heard of Targi and well, stuff, but we're finding all sorts of really good ones. It did just get reprinted. So. Yeah. It would have been tough to find beforehand. So yeah, Rose King, I very cool. I want to play cool. Targi because I keep seeing it That's everywhere. That's getting reprinted as well, supposedly. Yeah. So I want to play it. We won't have to pay obscene prices for it. $110 yeah, on Amazon. So. Kiss my behind. <laughs> <laughs> so the last one uh, is a game that we picked up recently. This is Reiner Knizia's Ingenious. So a game that's been this around for a while. This is what I wanted. Yep, you certainly did. Uh, this this one's kind of cool. So you have these. Um, it, there's a hexagon grid that you play these these two hexagon tiles on. We'll call them honeycomb tiles. That's fair. That's fair because that's what it looks like. It looks like a honeycomb. Um, and each of the tiles has a symbol on either side of it. And the sim well symbol slash color. It's the symbols are just for color blindness. But you're basically putting the tile on the board, and then you're going to take each symbol. And you're going to go in a straight line in every direction that you can from that symbol. And every uh, every matching symbol, so if I play a red tile down, and I'll go in a straight line, and every red symbol that's already on the board, I'm going to score a point in red for. Um, but because it's a Kinesia game, it's the lowest 
the lowest one is your final score. So you got to kind of be even when you're doing your building stuff. You do. Well, you do. Cause yeah, because if you don't build evenly, then you're going to be, have a really low score at the end of the game. And you're, and that's, that's all the game is, is you're just putting these tiles on the board until and it's filled up. Yeah. Until the, the board is full. And then again, like Emily said, whatever your lowest score is. <laughs> you know wins. what I really enjoyed? Hmm. I enjoyed the fact that there are little slots in the board so you could stand your pieces and up. hold the tiles. I yeah. thought that was the coolest thing. I, it's, it's nice design instead of having like a hand because it'd be really awkward to hold those yeah. tiny things so i mean granted we just bought those little like card tray things mm. we could use them but i thought that was really awesome that they had those on the board so this one well let, let me get your thoughts on the game first because you were the one that wanted it so i liked it but but it wasn't it wasn't enough game for me. Does that make sense? It does. Um, it might go in <laughs> conjunction with what I'm going to say here. It, it wasn't. Real quick. Yeah, it just, it wasn't enough game for me. Like, I felt just, I don't know. I was haphazardly putting these pieces out. and Well, and there's a strategy to it. Like, you, it's definitely worth, like, if you know your opponent is low in a certain color, to try and block that color off as much as possible in order to, in order to make it harder for them to score the points that they need. Um, this game reminded me of a introductory version of Tigris and Euphrates, which is probably not a coincidence. I'm pretty sure that he was inspired by that design when he when he did that. Um, it, <laughs> That's it, the one we played that I was not too keen on. Right no, now. but I think, but I really do think that that was first that that was first play confusion because Tigris is a game that's kind of dense to wrap your head around at first i'm kind of dense sometimes it depends i I, I might have caught you on a bad night for that one too (laughs) might for all i know but all this game did was make was make me sit there and be like man i'd really like to get tigers and euphrates back to the table (laughs) because that was really fun and i think that emily would like it better the second time it was fun but i think that might be a good one for maybe when zandy gets older well yeah like because like i said it's 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 Kind of too simple, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. I think it'll be good, like when he gets, you know, was it eight on the box? Probably. Mm. If we get seven, eight years old, and we can get him, I think he would enjoy it, you know, to help with his introduction to board games. But mm-hmm. I don't know that we need to play it anymore. No. I. I Interesting. Okay. It's just I, I don't know. It just like it was fun, but. I have other games that I could play. Interesting. I didn't. I I didn't get that feeling from you while we were playing. So that's that's interesting to hear that. I, I didn't, just I didn't get pissed off. So that should that's have been true. Yeah, there right you there. go. You weren't getting mad that I was that I was blocking left and right. So <laughs> yeah, like I said, this one I just want to play Tigris and Euphrates again. That's what it made me want to do. So I I and I I had a better time playing that just because the there's a little bit more in the strategy department with that one. Um, than there is with Ingenious. But, I mean, Ingenious is a fine game, um, and I mean, we're not going to cast it out or anything like that. We'll no, keep no, it around. No, 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 We'll keep it around for Buddy-O. Absolutely. So, whew, what are we at? Thir- 40 minutes almost. That's a lot of games that we had to play. Well, we're going to take a quick break, um, probably get a refill on our water here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Unpub 6 and our experience there. So Woo-hoo! hang on for a second. <laughs> back uh so a couple weeks ago um unpub six uh came to town in baltimore for the second we year we got in a, row. a rare day to ourselves well i see th- so i would love to go 
to like a Gen Con or an Origins. Um, but right now, with, with our son being a little too young and without with us ha- being not really having any like long term babysitting options available to us, because her her parents watch him all the time, so it'd be kind of unfair to to toss him over there for a weekend while we get away. But Unpub Six, right in our backyard, it's fifteen minutes from from our house. And thankfully, Brad's mom came down and yeah. wrangled the beast so we could have uh, some adult time, which yeah. was nice. So, uh, so yeah, this is this is the only convention that we've ever been to um, for board games. So it's it's our first one was last year. Yeah, had a great time and and was definitely excited to get back. And it it doubled in size over last oh, year. Oh yeah, it yes. definitely. That's the first thing I noticed. First of all. Last year, it was split into two smaller rooms. This year, mm-hmm. it was in one giant room, and there were so many more people there this year than there were last year. It was awesome. Yeah, and I think, um, I'm trying to think, so I knew the, I'm trying to think of the rows. So the rows went eight deep, and I think they had like, I think it was like 14 rows. It was A through J or K or. Um, I'm trying. Um, it was either A through. I think it was A Maybe through L, L or A through M. I think yeah, it was A through L. Let's just say A through L. So it's I what twelve remember. times eight. We got the book downstairs. We it's, should have brought the book up. Right. So that's ninety six tables that they had for for game demos and some. Some people develop- were sharing tables. Right. Some people were sharing tables. Some designers brought more than one game with them. So well over a hundred um, unpublished games at this uh, festival. And I, I kind of like. I like going to this convention in, in particular because I enjoy playing um, games that aren't quite done and trying to help the designer, you know, help them with what they're doing, whether whether they have a mostly finished design that they're just trying to balance Get a few final tweaks, yeah, and... tweak up a little bit. Or if they it's if it's a fresh design that they haven't been working on that long, that they're just trying to see which where it's a, where it's we, broken. Basically, which, <laughs> we, we played a couple of those, too, from, from some of our friends. <laughs> yeah. So and so it was, um you know, very it's a very it's always a very good time. Um, and again, I I guess this is this true. Most conventions, but never enough time to play every game that you want to play. For sure. So let's get into uh, to some of the games that we got to check out that that we feel are definitely worth keeping an eye on down the road. Um, the first one was a game that we really enjoyed, that you especially enjoyed. You enjoyed it as soon as we walked up to the table and saw it. And this was uh, made from scratch. Uh, yeah, it, it was just like I loved it because I was never one to be into cooking. And then... Uh, suddenly like a f- I had a switch flip and like now I like to cook and try and find new recipes and it's literally a little deck building well not deck building it's a little card game where mm. you're actually trying to complete recipes and then prep that you have to prep them and cook them and everything else to score points and it's just really cool because they had like these old timey looking recipe cards mm. which were that's what caught my eye first thing yeah, and, and it's neat because it's basically you get cards that have different ingredients on them and you assign those ingredients. It's it's like a collaborative cooking thing mm-hmm. where every player is working on the different recipes. But whoever has the most cubes on said recipe when it comes time to, you know, mm-hmm. score or them. the most contribution to right, the recipe. Then they get to actually get the recipe mm-hmm. and try and prepare it and cook it. Right. But it, it's it's balanced because once you get one of those recipes in front of you, um, you have like so it has to get th- you know, to a prep station first, and then you have to actually like either bake or or cook the dish on the stovetop. Well, first you have to prep, mm-hmm. and then it's either stove or oven, mm-hmm. I think, but, or sometimes it's both. Right, but all that stuff takes time, and you only have three actions on your turn, and you can get rid of the different time units for the different 
things you have to do with your recipes as one of your actions. Like it's one action you can remove a time unit. But the catch is if you don't at least remove one time unit from each recipe that you have, um, it takes like a minus one point penalty because you're letting it burn or you're letting it, you know, letting it spoil or something. And and the 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 cooking stations are limited. So if all the other players have all the stoves already in use for their recipes, and like, you have a recipe that needs to, to get to a stove, I had to at one point. I needed a stove, and so I had to take the timer off of someone else's stove as one of my actions, so that I mm-hmm. could get a stove, so that my stuff wouldn't spool. Right, and you were, and you help them to help yourself essentially, which pretty I thought much, was yeah. a great way. It's very cool. Well, it prevents the runaway leader because I I got pretty lucky and I was able to get a couple recipes in short order, but then I had to take time to to to, to cook, cook them, recipes. and so I couldn't keep getting new recipes from the center row. So this is a great game, and it's actually on Kickstarter right now. The but only yeah. problem is the price. It's so. Much for what it is. Yeah, it's pr- it's it's priced a little high um, for being a very good, but still very simple card in, game. In talking with the designer at the table and playing the game and everything, I really, really wanted. He said, "Oh, we're on Kickstarter right now." So we came home and I was like, "Oh, honey, I want to back that." Mm-hmm. And then I saw the price tag and I was like, "I can't justify that much for that game." Yeah, I really can't. And I mean, and unfortunately, it, it seems like it is struggling out of the gate a little bit here. Um, so I'm not sure if it's quite going to make it or not. So maybe it might get tweaked um, in a future campaign because I would I would love to see this game come to market. Um, I would too. Yeah, but like I said, just I a have little promos for it, right? <laughs> yeah, hand out promo cards there. Um, one another one that we Which, played the recipe, the promo recipe was cream of crab soup. Ha ha, because we're yeah, from Baltimore, Maryland. So. <laughs> Um, one that we, uh, another one that we played that we actually, uh, liked enough that we're play testing we're play it testing for this, the designer yes. right now too is a game called The Blood of an Englishman. Um, this is from Dan Kassar, who also did Arboretum, um, which was a game that we were pretty high on too that we've talked yeah, about before. Yeah, it was really cool because we played the game. One person is Jack, one person is the giant. Jack mm-hmm. has to build his beanstalks. He has to build in, uh, Ascending numerical order. You right. Have so to there, there's pick out six beanstalks. Yeah, there's beanstalk cards that range one to nine, and I think there's like four of each of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's treasure cards, mm-hmm. but there's two of each treasure card. Yes. And then there's also two um eight giant cards to each of what that fee have five, fee five, foe and thumb. <laughs> and on the turn, um Jack it's a, it's a little bit asymmetric as Jack can manipulate but you you lay out the cards in st- in five rows and they're spread out so you can see each card um and then the so the way jack can manipulate the cards he can take cards from the front of a stack to the front of a stack or from the back of a stack to the front of the same stack or he can take a card from the front or back and kind of put it in his tableau and like em said you have to go in ascending order so you don't have to go in strict numerical order but you do have to always be moving forward with your beanstalk now here's the trick as the giant Mm -hmm. You can either move the front four cards from one row to another, mm-hmm. or you can move one single card from two different rows, or you can remove one beanstalk card completely from the game. Yeah, so it kind of opens up the different strategies for the giant to try and limit Jack. So if, if you notice that Jack is skipping numbers um, pretty aggressively, then if you if you start removing those eights and nines, you can make it, you can win because you can't, you know, he won't be able to get the cards that he needs to mm-hmm. build his beanstalks. Um, or likewise, um, the other way the giant can win is if he can get the fee, five, foe, and thumb either 
consecutively in a vertical row or as the front card in four of the different columns. Four of the five columns. Yes. Right. So you, so you manipulate the cards that way. We were really intrigued by this one. Um, we played it on each side at Unpub. And, and then he's like, hey, I'm trying to get 150 playtests in the next three months. Would you guys mind playtesting? Mm. So we're like, hell yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, because it's, it's a really good game. It's a nice, um, it, again, I, I love I love asymmetric games, um, two-player games, because I, I enjoy not having to try to follow the same strategy on each side, because that just gets kind of boring and kind of becomes like a zero-sum sort of thing. In this one, it's great because you're trying to do different things and try. And the giant side is even better because you're trying to to kind of manipulate Jack into doing what you want him to do. Oh yeah. Um. And I think I played. Who did I? Did I play Jack first? The first time we played it. Yeah. Yes. I played Jack, but I think I lost. Mm-hmm. You did. I? We well. We we the giant won both games. At um, the giant won both games the other night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, you're talking about when we were I'm at at Unpub. Yes. I, you you won both games we played at Unpub. Yes. You won as Jack and the Giant. Right, but I can tell you that as Jack, um, the Giant gets I better. I was late making in the him game. work for that one. Yeah, it, it gets really I made difficult. Him work for it because well, because you have to balance getting your stuff while also preventing them from winning the game. Because as the you know as as the cards kind of thin out in the tableau, it becomes way easier for the Giant to manipulate things in his way. Um, I don't know what the future plans are for this game, but I will say that it's it's a great two player game, and I would highly recommend giving it a look if you know one you know finds a way to get published later on. Or if you want to help him play test, um, I think he's still accepting. Like he gave us uh, a little envelope, and it's got a postage page, postage paid envelope. Um, you keep it for thirty days. You mm-hmm. just have to. He said that he asked that you play it at least once as Jack, once as the giant, and uh, upload it to the website with results mm. just yep. so he can analyze it, which is cool. Yeah. This is trying to make sure that there's not any holes or any, yep. you know, one side that's, that's stronger than the other. Um, the last garden is another game. Oh my God. I saw this one. We were standing there. We're trying to find a game to play. And I saw this. I was like, honey, what is that? So we open up our book and I'm reading it. I was like, let's go play that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Was it fun? <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, it's and it was a, like a power filler. It was like 20 minutes. And and it was it was kind of it's, so the, it's I'm trying to remember, describe the game exactly. So during the game, um, you have these cards that are different um, that are going to have one of three actions. It either lets you place a gem place into a gem. this garden, you can move a gem from one area of the garden to another, or you can flip a die. Right, because each area of the garden is represented by a die essentially, and because each card that you play has a die on it as well. So like if I get if I play a card that says you can place a gem in a four region, then that means I can take a gem and there's three different color gems and you um and you can place them in any region on the board that has a four next to it on the on the dice that's showing. Um and then after you do your action you get to place your worker onto this scoring board. So it has this like um like speculation scoring where you can either guess which um, color is going to be most represented in the garden at the end of the round. You can bet on like a number. So like you're going to bet you'll get points for every gem that's in a five region of the garden. And what was the other one that you could do? I'm trying to think of what the third option was at the bottom for scoring. Oh, the bonus tiles. No, you could get bonus tiles. Oh, that's tiles. right. Yes. Yeah. You could get bonus tiles that kind of act as, um, 
ways to like well like the one you could place a gem so if you played your bonus tile with that card you got to place two gems mm-hmm. or you got to pick two gems out of here and put two gems over here right and and the reason we liked this game so much is because there is a tremendous amount of screwage that you can do to your opponent in the game. Oh yes. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, because the the whole game is 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 basically improving your position while while making the other players way worse. <laughs> the super hilarious part of this is when we go to tally up our final score. Brad's like, I have fifty five. I'm finishing counting. I was like, Oh, it would tie. Jesus yeah. Christ, I have fifty five. <laughs> so the guy's in there. He's like, Okay, I haven't had a tie all day. I was like, So. And it I don't, it would I don't be remember us. what it was. It it was, was uh, well, it was I, so I ended up funny. winning because I went, because you had the first turn in the game, ah. is what it was. Oh, the other thing about Made from Scratch, I enjoyed the uh, how you'd pick start player. Mm-hmm. It was whoever had the most delicious meal the night before. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Last Garden, um, great cutthroat game. Um, it plays up to four players, but I think it does work really well. With two players, um, so oh, that's yeah, yeah, pretty good deal. Well, there. and see this guy across from me. It went four rounds, and he's like, "I think four rounds is too much." I'm like, "Hun, it took twenty minutes," and he's like, "Really?" Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Yep. I didn't think it was too much. Well, and it makes the the desire souls the reason he did four, so each player could have the equal number of turns to be that the starting sense. player, which right, makes total right. sense. So, um, Curse You Robin Hood was a fun game uh, this that we was played. Great, yeah. This is I this is Daniel Solis, um, who did Bell at the Ball for those uh, familiar with that one. Cool game where you have these He's different. He's hilarious, by the way. Yeah, well, he is a funny guy. Um, <laughs> so there's there's these cards, um, and the cards was it did they was it two through ten, and there's two tens in each yes. of the suits basically, and each of the suits represents a commodity like ale or meat or cloth or something like that. Right. And you're gonna take one of the cards out of your hand. You're gonna put it face down, and everyone reveals them simultaneously. Now there's also an AI. Um, there can character. be there can be an AI character. But that's well, we won't worry about that yet. But uh, just the base gameplay is is you flip over the cards. So any player that has the same number value on their cards has to like they trade, trade cards. cards, right? And whoever then whoever has the highest and lowest swaps trades cards. And then whoever's left, there's a market in the middle of the table that has three cards that you have to exchange a card with as well. And whatever card you get goes in front of you. As part of your tableau, what you're trying to do it's part of your loot, right? And what you're trying to do is you're trying to have the highest valued card that you can in each of the different commodities, except you don't want to be the best. Each each of them have a bullseye symbol on them, and depending on the the um, number, the higher the number, the more bullseye symbols mm-hmm. it has on it. And the more bullseyes you have, the more likely you are to get robbed by Robin Hood. Because <laughs> well, at the end of the game, whoever has the most bullseyes of each of the commodities gets all of their cards taken from them of that type. Right. And so, then you don't get to count them at all. Right. So you want you basically want to have the second most of each of the different, uh, the second highest of each of the different stuff. So very cool game. Um, we really wanted to play it two players to see how that would go because, as Emily said, there is these AI characters that have different personalities, and in a two-player game, you play with two of them. Well, and we played the we played with Friar Tuck, who is it was hilarious because he was like always honest, so mm. he told you what card he was putting out before everybody else put out their cards. Yeah, and there and there's different ones um, that play in very different ways. Right, there's Maid Marian, there's Will Scarlet, mm. um, the Sheriff, of course. Yeah, and yeah. and while I enjoyed this game, I I don't think that it is going to work great 
as a two-player game, I think it's a game that's going to work better with more people. But see, I think this is a game that we could get and mm-hmm. we could play with our non-gamer friends. Oh yeah, as no, well. it's de- it's definitely a simple enough game that because you because I think they will enjoy it. Yeah, because once once you've played one game, you it, instantly easily to know what's what's going on mm-hmm. in that game. Um, Arena Cosmachis or Cosmachis was a game that we played. Uh, that was first the off. first game we played. Yeah. We actually kind of just stumbled into it because we were wandering around. We were actually trying to find a couple of our friends that had games there and say hi. And we stumbled across this, and these guys were like, "Hey, we need three more people." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, here's two right here." Right. This is I, I called this a mobile light because you have each player each player controls a hero character and the I heroes still don't know what MOBA means. Well, that's okay. I, I mean, it's it's basically a game where you have one hero and then you have a bunch of cannon fodder that you throw out oh. to do stuff as well. Okay. And the heroes all have these unique decks of cards that are abilities and attack cards that they can play, which I've is had cool. Doctor Porcupine. And then you also have your um. Like your your soldiers that you have that you can throw out there. They're and, your cannon fodder, right? And you spend your turns um, moving your units around the map. Obviously, you, no, you have a you collective. Draw, you draw a card. Well, your your side has a collective number of movement. Well, that you and can use. also you're in. Uh, it's four. It was four people, but mm-hmm. it was um, teams of two. Right. So Brad and I actually played against one another. Mm-hmm. Um. My teammate was pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, this game can be played with two players or. With the team variant, I think I would have preferred just to play it with the two players. Yeah. Because I think it would have been a little bit easier to manipulate. Essentially, in your turn, you can attack players, and, and again, there's different ability super cards. super combos that you got with your teammate. That was that was cool, too. Um, and, and the game was exciting. The only problem for me with this game was I... If I'm gonna play something like this, like I'd rather just play Battle Lore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it, it takes a little bit longer, but I feel like it's a little bit more of a richer well, like experience. I, said, I thought we gave them some good constructive criticism for it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If they're gonna do two players, you got to make the board a little tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they had the board that they had set up. So one side, you actually have like a wall of debris that's yeah. actually in the board. So whoever's on that side starts with an advantage. So mm-hmm. we said, why don't you set it up with like movable debris, debris. and you can put it, and you can maybe draft where you put it, and right, stuff like right, that. Right. Well, again, that's what made me think of Battle Lords. You have the scenario and cards then, that um, have the different. Uh, and the only other thing was, <laughs> I know my partner and I were having trouble keeping track of our cannon fodder because they didn't have them marked with different right. numbers. Right, and, well, and that's that'll be something that you know, obviously, as as and, the design and they're comes going along, to do that. But it was fix. just, it was a little. It was tricky. Just, you could have just like took a sharpie, a silver sharpie, and wrote one, two, three, four, five mm. on them. Like I said, I would have enjoyed playing this one with two players. I think it would have been a little bit more of a brisk affair. Yeah. With two, um, the the team game was a little. It's a little long. Little right, exactly. I think for what it was, it took a little too long. Um, the last two that we'll mention, um, we're not going to go too deep in on because these games were both very early in the design process, but Still had a lot of done fun. by friends of ours, and and we enjoyed them. Oh, yeah. um, the first one was Supercell. Um, this was designed by Dan Halstead, who is the host of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, our buddy. Um, yes, hopefully cool we will get to... I'm hoping we get to play this some more. Well, I love the theme for this one, because <laughs> it's it's a really cool game where... Uh, it's, it's about storm chasing. Yeah, you're chasing tornadoes and, and storms across this, uh, this area. Which is right up my alley. Yeah, man, I think this was like the, like the sixth or seventh test of the game so it's still a lot of rough edges but i think that the framework for a really good game is there um so that'll be cool to kind of see he's trying to go for like a family game vibe which could be which could be very neat yeah and then the other one was superhero city uh, from our buddy brad smoley um this one i think this is the fourth 
we we played the fourth game ever yes of it yes um and it was it was a neat little dice rolling game um where you're trying to you're a superhero trying to get these villains in the city and the villains have a certain combination of symbols that you have these dice that you have to roll combined with the tile which represents the area of the city that you're trying to save. Mm-hmm. And if you roll the combination that you need, then you defeat the villain. You, you get, actually you get, get the, the tile that goes into like your little your little section of the city that you're building that have different, like Emily said, different rewards on them and stuff like that. Well, no, you get rewards for defeating the villain. Well, also. that too. Yeah, victory points and money. And, and you can buy upgrades for your superhero, mm-hmm. uh, like better dice or the ability to play, you know, bonus tokens that give you you know the symbols that you need that sort of thing mm-hmm. um it's it, again very rough stages it's in a state right now where it's way too long for what it is but that could easily be you know fixed over time but he was happy to see that it wasn't you know completely, completely broken. broken right because <laughs> he i think he literally well, play tested for the first time the night before well and it was so funny because i remember um he's standing there and he kind of went over the game with us and then we started playing and then we were just kind of running it ourselves and he's Mm -hmm. like are you guys cool if i just walk over here for a minute we're like yeah and he's like i love this he's like they can play the game without me yep so (laughs) i was like that means you did a really good job of keeping it simple so it's off to a good start there so a couple games that we wish we could have gotten to that looked really intriguing i wanted to play point salad yeah from adam mckiver um looked very cool literally are building a salad Yep, and, and getting points was, for everything I you like, do. I really want to play this game, and we did just didn't get to. <laughs> I don't know how how Chris Kirkman did pick this one up for their uh, for their April Fools game line. You, you figure point salad, the point salad game would would yeah. work well in that in yeah. that uh, in that realm. Uh, there's a game from Brian Fisher um, of Nevermore Games called Vinyl, which looked very yeah, interesting. Had a cool motif. You that. ran a you ran a record store. Um, TC Petty has like an underground punk rock game i have no idea what it's about but i generally like his games and his themes so Mm -hmm. that would have been cool to see um finally introduced ourselves to him this year yes uh dice hate me is working on a game called fate of the elder gods that's being partly designed by richard launius look it's it's got cthulhu and it's got lots of dice rolling so I'm sure it's right up our alley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had Scythe there because oh they were playtesting the expansion. It was so pretty. Yes. We it were. was so pretty. I was just standing there like drooling because yeah. it was so pretty. I, I wanted I to play it. I knew yeah, I knew we'd never be able to get in on a game. Um, but I, I would have really enjoyed getting checked that out. It's only only three more months, hopefully, before it's in our hands. So we'll see we'll see but yeah un- unpub was great and you know it's i we appreciate it maybe more than some do because again it's the only convention right as at least for right now that we get to go to every year so we we definitely value it for that always cool to see you know folks that we talk to online all the time though i did ha- we all had a good laugh because there was a cheerleading convention downstairs from it <laughs> there was so much hairspray in that building it was yeah. unreal <laughs> So and uh, and as far as I know, I think it's in Baltimore for the for the foreseeable future. So we'll get to continue going to that. Yay. Maybe hopefully next year, maybe we can do both days if we're lucky. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, but uh, but had a great time. Um, this and I felt like this year, the games that we played, um, there wasn't really a a bad one in the bunch. Like no, there was no. there wasn't anything that we were like, man, that was really rough. Like last year, there was a couple that we played. That the were very really first not good. one we played last year, the guy with the hand drawn cards, the mm. and he like set up the the grid of cards and stuff. I enjoyed the idea of the game, mm-hmm. but the execution, not necessarily what like his prototype, but I'm just saying the execution of the game itself. It just 
it didn't work. Right. So yeah, this <laughs> this one definitely had a very a much more consistent uh a consistent approach throughout. And again, Blood of, Blood of an Englishman, I'd say uh, for, from the two player standpoint, Blood of an Englishman and Last Garden um if you if you if those games do get picked up and published, definitely check those out. Mm-hmm. They are they're very fine tuned and very fun. Um, both of them fit in that filler realm, which which works really nicely, and they would be the ones that you definitely uh, definitely want to check out. I think coming out of Unpub, so yeah, great time. Um, and that's pretty much it for us this week. We ran a little bit longer because we had a lot of stuff to talk about, but we hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, again, just a reminder: find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, subscribe to the show wherever you can, including again Google Play Music for all you Android users. And don't forget as well, we are a affiliate of the Nerdpocalypse Studios Network. Check Check out all the great shows on the network, including Nerdpocalypse, Dense Pixels, Black and Black Cinema, and Mouthful of Toast. And you can also check out the premium membership if you're so inclined. Uh, that gets you episodes of Look Forward, The Airing of Grievances, No Time to Bleed, and The Men with the Golden Tongues. All great shows uh, that are definitely worth listening to. So check that out when you get a chance. Uh, that's it for us. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, very. I was, I was really excited for this episode because I really wanted to talk about Millennium Blades especially. Oh, I know. You've yeah. had... Uh- <laughs> Oh, I'm not. Yeah, you've been chomping at the bit for that one forever now. I it have. seems like so good. Good times all around. Um, but yeah, thanks you guys very much for listening. Uh, we will catch you guys in a couple weeks. Till then, see you later. Bye.